Welcome back to another episode of Present Company, On the Road, the segment where I take you on the road to some of the biggest film events in the country. Today, I'm at the 48th annual Telluride Film Festival, located at 9,000 feet in the mountains of Colorado. I'm about to sit down with Benedict Cumberbatch, who stars in Jane Campion's much-anticipated film, The Power of the Dog. Benedict Cumberbatch in Telluride. I mean, for the first time, you, for you being here, right? This is the first time. You fit in real well. Like, you could do this. Oh. You, you, you're you pretty seamless. You went uh, from formal in Venice yeah. to, like, kind of casual mountain. You mountain feel like, vibe. Yeah, you've the got beard, a flush. The beard works here. <laughs> it's, you know, the, the mountain of the dogs and the bears and all the rest of it that brings that film home. And... Uh, and for Louis, it's just a wonderfully colourful, eccentric, yeah. psychedelic kind of, yeah, forward-thinking culture here. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's a magic festival. It really, your shoulders go down to your, to your ankles. It's a very deep breath because of, you know, lack of oxygen and everything else, yeah. but also just deep breath, calm, discussion and connection to filmmaking and filmmakers and the audience. It's really intimate. Geography's doable. The amount of films is doable. Mm-hmm. And the proximity that we will have to one another is doable. In this mm-hmm. COVID era, it's kind of moving as well. It's yeah. feeling safe because of the, the, the things in place. It's a very easy thing to fit into, I think, is what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. But thank you for the compliments. But you do it, you do it exceptionally well. Thank you. Well, uh, I think I found, my, I found my people. Yeah, you found your people. <laughs> uh, all right, you are here with two films, and we're going to talk yeah. about the Jane Campion film, sure. The Power of the Dog, yeah. which... I have so much to discuss about it, but I really don't want to hear myself talk about it anymore. I want to hear you talk about it. So I love this film. It, Thank you. it stayed with me. The scene stayed with me. I've seen it two times. They play out in my head still. I can conjure it up immediately in the feeling that I had watching it. That's great. Um, I love the West. I grew up in Colorado. I loved seeing that kind of claustrophobia juxtaposed to all this space. I thought it was just brilliant. The performances were just so great. Um, You completely disappeared. I think this is one of the, I mean, you've done so many, I don't want to qualify any of your other performances, but for me, this was just like a spectacular um, character. And as an actor of which I am not, I would have thought this is like, what a joy to play a complex character like this yeah. that has to be played out. It's at once in, intensely physical yeah. and then at the same second, entirely mental. Yeah, yeah. So for you, as that actor, as someone that has been at this and and really, you know, you've been participating in this madness of business of yeah. filmmaking and theater for a long time, what was it about Phil that made you want to play him. I know Jane Campion, of course, who wouldn't want to be in a Jane Campion movie? Yeah. That aside, we can yeah. get to that later. Yeah. But for you, just as the pure actor going in to play this character, what was it? The layers of complexity to him. I mean, there's just so much going on in any given moment of behavior, which could be judged in isolation without context is gargantuanly nasty or mean or, or tortured or torturing. He has this deep conflict in him which is a mixture of fighting and being himself and also fighting against inauthenticity and being authentic to the way of life that he's been brought up in 
And even that's complicated. He comes from East Coast Brahmin stock. His parents hardly ever got on horses, let alone got dirty with the work of castration and branding and herding and, and fencing and everything else that goes into cattle ranching. And he fell for it hook, line, and sinker. He found his purpose and still managed to be a scholarly student at a Brown, uh, Brownstone University. And he was immensely proficient. I mean, almost to the, a polymathic degree, anything he turned his hand to. And whether it was the delicacy of whittling a chair or ironmongery or taxidermy, both of which is in, lots more of that sort of stuff is in the, in the book. Um, but the banjo playing, which is obviously in the film and the whittling of a little chair, the, the kind of breadth of this person. And then at the core of him, there's this inability to be his authentic mm-hmm. self on a profound level, which out of respect for the work and the audience hasn't seen it. Yeah. And we're going to do too much because it's, 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 it's really a build of understanding him. You get a lot of who he really is at the end of the mm-hmm. film. Um, that's just a very, very rich soup. Well, no, not soup menu of mm-hmm. choices and, and influences and drivers to play with as an actor. And, you know, it's rather like, in a spy movie, it's like, what are we revealing? What's being, what's being triggered? What of his behavior gives his hand away? And what is him completely in control? Where does he lose control? All those things. And then on top of that, you've got a filmmaker like Jane, who is so profoundly open to exploring sexuality, masculinity, gender, and also any form of physical sensuality. So she really gave a platform for me, well, first of all, to immerse myself in the role. In, at the beginning of the work and, and, and everything leading up in pre-production to the actual shoot. And then during the shoot, she introduced me to the cast, uh, not the cast, the crew as, as Phil. She went, this is Phil, everyone. You're going to make Phil. Mm-hmm. At the end of the shoot, you'll meet Benedict. He's really nice. And that was... Uh, <laughs> good. I love that. And she, yeah, and it was brilliant. But it kind mm-hmm. of, it lent, it lent, it just, it, I'm very apologetic and um, uh, I, I, I often... I end up over explaining myself or, or I'm a people pleaser and Phil's not that he's very strident um, he gets a lot wrong and that's some of his undoing um, Annie Peru puts that very very well in her afterward in the book but um, in order to have that framework of freedom she then also allowed me to be utterly mentally and process wise but also physically as well literally naked and open to who this man is in private, and that's such a gift as well. You know, to have to have a moment of intimacy with a character where he's connecting to something um, profoundly important to you. Mm-hmm. It's quite late on in the film, like I said. I don't want to be too explicit about what what that is in case the viewers haven't seen it. But um, you know, that again gave me another canvas to play with—a rich, mm-hmm. intimate, um, very, very, very personal, private stuff—and. Uh, yeah, that altogether, there's nothing that doesn't appeal about this character. And, you know, as far as being in that milieu as well, 1925 in Montana, it's a very it's a very interesting shift, that whole mm-hmm. era between um, the manual and the mechanized, between an old way of ranching and a new way of ranching. Yeah. It's all happening. It's all happening. Way. And this guy's really digging his feet into the past. So not only is it 1925, but he's sort of aching for a time that's already disappearing as well. Um and there is a romance to that for me, you know, mm-hmm. to be absolutely at one in nature, to have a command of both the elements and the animals and the people that are trying to bring order in that chaos. I did love all the, I mean, I was thinking about that, like the 
what I knew I was speaking with you. It was just like the physicality of that, mm-hmm. the horse riding, the yeah. rope training, the, you know, you really had to do it. And I did. I went, I went ranching. I went to a ranch and I had, you know, a very informative, amazing time there and, and practiced pretty much everything you see in the film. I you know, treating, taking hide, treating it, um, cutting it, beveling it strengthening it lengthening it just everything before even the braiding begins and the horse riding the roping um not that there's roping in the film that phil does but you know just learning how to do that and it just it didn't stop i mean and also at times it became a burden that the horse riding i was already quite comfortable with although it's a different form and that that was that was its own learning curve but there were a lot of things that I would never have got good enough to do in mm-hmm. camera to the level of Phil. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, like I said, he really was an expert yeah. in all of these things. Um, so I, it's that horrible thing where you, if you're authenticating your experience as an actor by investing as much time and effort in trying to learn these skills, it is just an impossible list to master. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, even the even single hand rolling right. of a cigarette on horseback and then lighting it, that's a hard thing to yeah. do. <laughs> you've got wind, you've got everyone oh, on the set everything. going, oh, I could do that. And then just watching them kind of make these fat doobies or <laughs> and yeah. it's like, it's, as it says in the book, they're just these really mm-hmm. tight little um, rolls with one hand and, and then the whistling and the banjo playing and the, horse riding you know all of it but in order to feel it to feel him you have to do it you have to do it and she also let me do that and I had a I had a long runway for this we met in I think May and we didn't shoot until January next year and although there's other things going on I had some pretty intense kind of time with her did you read the book first or the script first? This is the question I meant to ask before doing this interview because I cannot remember and it's come up before and I can't oh, really? remember but I'd read both by the time I met her right and that was an extraordinary moment because she was coming to me with this ask that was so different from anything anyone had seen in me before mm-hmm. on many levels. And I was so, I was so revved up about that. I was so thrilled that someone could see that in me mm-hmm. that I wanted, I, want, I wanted to meet her too, uh, to, to see what it was that she thought, if there was something she wanted to talk mm-hmm. about that, I, I, that made her think that I was a good choice for this role. And, um, and yet there's also the fear of meeting Jane bloody mm-hmm. Campion. I mean, she's mm-hmm. just this iconic woman of our culture and an extraordinary filmmaker whose work has been seminally important to me as well as everyone mm-hmm. else who's seen it. And, you know, I, I just... She's so humble and laid back so and she just kind of blends in. into the yeah. room. Yeah, and she's just and, yeah. completely... And I, I was with my family at the time. She came into our home, well, not our home, but somewhere we were staying. And it was, I think, during promoting... Avengers Endgame, I think it must have been. Anyway, it, it doesn't matter what film it was, but it was a, you know, there was that going on. And she just breezes in with a rucksack, just going, oh, hi, hi, how are you? I'm, I'm Jane, mm-hmm. I just wanted to meet you. And she's just so human and normal mm-hmm. and easy to be around. And yet at the same time, she's got an alchemy and you're just mm-hmm. waiting to know when that drops. And it did in conversation. It was just these sparkles of brilliance and these touches of insight into the story or the view of the world that she had or how she wanted to realize that world with a lookbook and talking about how she thought of Phil. She was always thinking about those hairy chaps and him being sort of like a satire figure, this sort of half man, half animal, because yeah. he's so much of nature and immersed in nature. I love the way when you think of her films, the way she uses an inanimate objects take on life of their own Huge. it's incredible the how rope. The, the, rope. I mean, the, the rope, rope. The it's like it's a character you're, yeah. you're it's, it's the four of us being yeah. spliced together and that last bit of binding is like oh, that's fate you know it's, it's incredible it's so like you and, and it sneaks up on you mm. 
juxtaposition, you know, the scenery, it's its own character, obviously, yeah. the way she uses spaces, yeah. and then an actual concrete, there's a teacup, yeah. or the rope, yeah. or something else. I or, love... Or, or the, the blood on the corn, which I know, oh, yeah. that's in the yeah. trailer, so the teaser trailer, I'm yeah. not really giving too much away yeah. of that, that one shot, but what that portends, it's just, it's really, she's... She's a wonder. And she laughed the other day when someone brought that up, those sort of moments. And you went, oh, those are my secret weapons. Right, yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I get that, you know, I get yeah. that. I, I have, you know, there's a certain amount of process that even despite me being the one at the wheel of it, I don't get. It, she allows you to be open enough to discover and let happen. What was so interesting to me and in this character of Phil mm. is that he's so sophisticated. And yeah. we learn through the course of the film, he's been back East and educated. Yeah. He's, as you said, he's excellent at everything he does. He's yeah. got a superior intellect, yeah. uh, culturally, intellectually, and even for numbers. I mean, it's yeah. everything. Yeah. And yet he's so dependent emotionally yeah. on his brother yeah. that is yeah. by all, and you know, simple, Slow. Grounded, slow, yeah. not intellectual, not yeah. culture, none of those things that Phil would respect and own and like, but also disdain. Yeah. But that mix was so interesting to me. That and chemistry. And the dependency on him as the well. The dependency. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, for me, you know, I kind of got it. You know, they're in the middle of this place. 25 years they've been doing it. He calls him Fatso, which is like, whoa. Uh, you know, and. At the same time, he he loves his brother very, 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 very deeply and profoundly in a way that probably would never have been expressed mm -hmm. in their life. But the need of him is mm -hmm. dependency. That's not a healthy love. Um, I understand that, but at the same time, I think there is there was a real care. He, I mean, more in the book, but even in the film, with the one key moment at the beginning where he's trying to lead his brother to understand what the importance of this mm -hmm. moment in time is. It keeps on giving him mm -hmm. clues, clues, and it just winds him up. He actually gets angry about mm -hmm. it, you know. In the book, he's just, he's sort of disappointed at his lack of interest, mm -hmm. his lack of interest in the world around him. Um, and it infuriates him because he wants his companionship, because he mm -hmm. loves him. Mm -hmm. And they have had great times together, but more, I think, in younger years as boys who right. went camping Tends and hunting. Tends to fat, and, so you realize that you feel like that's been going on for I mean, years. What, what and, brothers don't yeah. don't roast yeah. each other? I mean, that yeah. would be, be very peculiar if it was just sort of <laughs> platitudinous yeah. politeness all the time. It, it, that's 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 a very real thing, I think, that people can associate with. However, you know, abrasive it may be to a viewer that doesn't understand that relationship at the beginning mm -hmm. of the film, for example. But, you know... the what James Dunn brilliantly is encapsulate all those beats that have led up to this moment in the continual asking of the question and not receiving the answer to the point, he has to spell it out to him. And it's, and it's deeply hurting to him. I think he's immediately defensive as an mm -hmm. a very reactive film. Um, he can't, he can't not make it, not about him maybe, maybe about Bronco, but it all becomes incredibly emotionally volatile for him very early on. Mm -hmm. And, George is just very quietly turning away from the dance they've been doing for 25 mm -hmm. years. He's looking to the future, whereas his brother is mm -hmm. wanting to celebrate the past, the deep past for mm -hmm. them over half a lifetime ago. And I think it's, it's, it's beautiful that first chapter because of that. And the first time I watched the film, you know, all the mawkish, weird, odd discomfort of watching yourself and being in your own audience was, was slightly assuaged by just how extraordinary parts of the other people's other mm -hmm. characters story, as well as the storytelling was like how mm -hmm. fully realized and brilliant Cody's performance was and Rose's arc from, um, this she's incredible. Pioneer, pioneer wife. Just a phenomenal Kirsten performance. Is amazing. Kirsten is incredible in this. And, 
And so, and, and Cody's, and also yeah. Jesse, and just to see their, I was, I was, you know, as an audience, I could sit there and be really moved when he cries and da- when they're dancing. He goes, I'm just, it's so nice not to be alone. Mm-hmm. And he said that after they've just shuffled their toes together on this mountainscape, yeah, which is just so dwarfing. It's a beautiful, mm-hmm. beautiful bit of filmmaking. Mm-hmm. This yeah. film is so rewarding for yeah, yeah. a viewer, I feel. Good. There's so much to look at. And you follow the stories as she tells them, and you follow yes. allegiances, yes. which I yeah. thought was which incredible. Which all the time, right? And she's so daring I, with that. Yeah, I love that. And mm-hmm. the one part about Phil that I was so interested in, and I was surprised that I was so interested because it was this the brutality, but under it was so clear that brutality and vulnerability were at equal. I think that's sort of what level. I was saying. Actually, they it's, just it's, matched it's each other all the time. equally, and the fact that Peter comes in yeah. and he's so odd, but yet he's so defiant in his oddness. Yeah, he is who he is, and he doesn't apologize for it. And he sees a strength. Phil sees a strength in yeah. that, which is attractive. And then, oh. and then that moment of generosity of going, I've saved you yeah. a hide, Phil. Yeah. I have one for you. You can use it to finish the rope. It just breaks him. It breaks him clean open. And it's heartbreaking. You know, no one's shown him that kindness or been able to or mm-hmm. understood him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is a child who is near in tears in his rage about mm-hmm. them being taken because they are mine. Those hides mm-hmm. are mine. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm worried this is this is getting near the end of the film. I'm worried about what your audience um, does need to hear or not. But you know, it, 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 let's just talk about the temperature of him or, or, the, or the mood shift. You're absolutely right. They, they exist in parallel. And I think that's another reason why, despite how abhorrent his behavior is on the surface, you you, you still stay with him. You, you lean in mm-hmm. to get to the answer of the question, why is he mm-hmm. like this? Mm-hmm. Because you can see, hopefully you can see that, that, tortured place is someone oh, the pain. who is pa- the, pain, the pain and the anger that mm-hmm. why why am I so alone why can my brother not understand that the most important person in our lives was not our parents it was Bronco Henry and he's not he's not there with me in that moment of celebration he doesn't get it mm-hmm. that's why he shouts at the people that are playing on the yeah. Leonardo, uh, you know that's why he loses it and becomes animal in that moment it's because his brother's just gone sorry what are you talking about I don't yeah, understand huh? I like had a fight. cheeseburger what, what, what do you need yeah, it's like exactly, different exactly. Like, huh? yeah. huh? and it <laughs> And it's not, it's not against George's stupidity. It's against needing his love, needing, mm-hmm. needing to be loved and mm-hmm. needing to be understood, to be heard and to be understood. Mm-hmm. And we're in this festival that's all about communication and being heard and understood. And I think in art, when you have characters who are very often acting out or suffering, or it's about being the need to be heard and understood. And Phil, Phil's is kind of desperate. And he can't admit to that because it's a massive show of weakness mm-hmm. in a world that, as we know, because of the authentic nature of, of, of his his life that he can't live by the authentic nature of who he really is and can't identify as is this very as it's now called toxic masculine Mm -hmm. world of machismo where you can't show vulnerability you just Mm -hmm. can't let that be Mm -hmm. the the way of, of of being it will destroy you that vulnerability and he's had to layer up many times before i mean the only i touched on the sort of background of him as an east coast kid expected to go and do the Western thing with his parents and do what Peter does, you know, dress in jeans that I mean washed and just it'd be performative. But guess what? He really falls for it. He falls in love with it. From the very get-go, you realize this guy is trapped between, like I said at the beginning, one of the appeals of the character, this search for authenticity and coming up against a world that won't tolerate his mm-hmm. and a world that suffers so much else that is inauthentic. Mm-hmm. And it enrages him. Do you think you would have played this part 10 years ago 
Do you think this came at a perfect time for you in your career? I don't know. I don't know is the honest answer. It's a good mm -hmm. question. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I, I like to think the search gets a little deeper with age always. Mm -hmm. just does. Um, yeah. I mean, there are so many good actors that I, you know, I, I was kind of like, but he would be really good. He would be really good. I mean, Paul Newman was going to do this. Yeah. You know, he had, a, he would have been fucking amazing, you know? So I, I, I just kind of, kick myself and mm -hmm. especially when seeing her show reel and going god i really was in the right place at the right time mm -hmm. so i feel i feel the the, the, the quick answer is no right. it, now is the time well, i love when she said she made you and jesse during rehearsal do dance dance yeah. together because it, it's that alpha yeah. leading and following and she just seems all like of that is a nice physical way into what the structure of that relationship was but also just to feel jesse's body to be close to a man that i've grown up with that i've mm -hmm been a kid with a boy with an adolescent with and, and an adult with who i sleep side by side in the same bed you know we'd know each other's smells and feels you know it's like mm -hmm. proximity to be bred out of two actors who while we both adore each other really love each other well respect each other's work i can't speak for him for mine but i, I think he's just one of the great 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 modern screen actors i think he's he's great he's it? the real deal he's the real deal through and through in every single thing he does he's amazing and i adore him and uh you know, if, but to have that proximity just like that, just to go in the pan. I mean, you know, I think we both cared about it enough to find it, but that was a brilliant way of her kind of cracking that open mm -hmm. quickly. What else did you learn from her on this shoot, being part of her orbit? Oh, to sort of get out of my own way, to, to, to be allowed to be a character and not have to apologize for it, to, to not need to be liked, to just... I think also to just to just to be able to find things, you know. I mean, not that I don't find things in the moment. I mean, even if it's in the Marvel sandpit, it's like we improvise all the time on that sh on those shows, and that's that's what's sort of extraordinary mm. about it. You I think that's why they work, actually. For sure, is because it it, it it's breath. It's like yeah. breath. It gives it a, a real vivid life. Um, and I think with her, it it was just she allowed me to be more open. I think than I've ever been. In a performance, I, at the same time, the character needed that, so it was a perfect combination. I often say to people now, when they ask, "What, what are you looking for? Where are you going next with your career? What choices? Where there are choices I can make? What, how, what guides you?" And it's always now really about who I work with. Um, I've been very lucky to work with very kind, good people as well as talented people, and um, that's a given. But uh, also people that are able to bring something out of me that I haven't had. Um, before who are interested in process and what it is we do um, mm -hmm. as well as the entirety of their holistic vision of what the picture is about and on top of that it used to, it used to be you know the variety of performance or, or character I wanted to be able to challenge myself that way but this is just the golden combination of both mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. um, I couldn't think of a more rich character to play with a more extraordinary director mm -hmm. it's as simple as that well, you, you just have such an extraordinary uh, career because it's, and I pointed this out to you earlier, like at one of the, you know, uh, panels earlier today, like I think about your fans and there was like girls there that were fan fanning so excited that you were there that yeah. had braces on for Sherlock. And then there's yeah. the Marvel Universe fans. Yeah. And then you have just the pure cinephile fans that love you as an actor. And you're, it's, it's kind of amazing well. and a very unique it's wonderful. Uh, I mean, 
Well, I can think of other actors that, that I have. I mean, it is, I'm, for, I'm very grateful for, I think other actors that are in a similar position and it's just, we're so lucky because, you know, I, I don't feel any less loyal or, or, or like any of, any of those arenas mean any less to me or any more to me. Um, and they are very different things to do. I mean, there are lots of crossover, of course, that you, you're always looking for integrity, sincerity and, and commitment and, you know, really taking an audience on a journey with a character. But uh, the, the requirement, they, they just are different. It's different doing wire work than it is being on a horse. It's different mm-hmm. um, doing an emotional st- scene where there's loads of green screen and a ping pong ball that you're supposed to be acting opposite yeah. as opposed to uh, a horse or a human being. So I'm just so lucky that I get to play on different canvases, you know, and it, mm-hmm. it keeps me on my toes and it hopefully, hopefully it keeps my work fresh and invigorated and, it's a really nice journey to be on. Mm-hmm. I'm really lucky. Did you get to keep anything from Phil's? I went. Yeah. Please, uh, you had to. A little. No, it's a little bit creepy. I got. I got. I kind of kept his costume. <laughs> I've never done that before. Yeah. And I've I've kind of bought the Poor overalls out for gardening every now and again. You know, those overalls are cool. Um, I don't think I've got the boots actually, but I uh, all the hats. I think Jane took the hat. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. He was a very difficult, I mean, not, not the kind of creepy I'm dressing up in him way, but he was a very difficult one to let go of, mm-hmm. uh, you know, partly because of how extraordinarily immersive the whole experience was and the COVID of it all as well. I mean, we re, you know, as, as, a, as a family, we were all there waiting for the film to start up again. And New Zealand was a massive character in this film, the, the crew and the people that we know and love from that experience in New Zealand, the Kiwis, you know, massive, massive part of it. So it was all of that, but also... The film itself and little props like one of the Whittle chairs um, that I made um, and then a, scient- a copy of Scientific America and then there was another journal of the time which had a Burbank on the front cover. I couldn't mm. believe I found it at the art department. I said, can you get hold of these magazines? Because it's he's so well read whilst, you know, George is going through his comics sort of thing. I'm, I'm reading these really interesting articles on hydroelectric dams and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And uh, uh, am I? Is that the right era? I can't remember. But amazingly sort of mechanical minded essays on uh, the future of engineering and mechanics and um it's so there's this backdrop and then there's a photograph that ari took of me at the top of a beautifully lit that's the cinematographer cinematographer, sorry yeah yeah. as a gift um at the end Mm. um i got somebody gave me the you know the chair back thing which says phil burbank on it which you sit in as an actor on set and then couple of other things i made this kind of weird shrine and mixtures of things that we'd painted or done or that i've been given mm-hmm. whilst in new zealand and it's yeah it's still there on a shelf at home all of that i think it must be so different inhabiting this type of character on this type of film in covid yeah. when you there's there's so it's so intimate yeah. you're all together no one can go anywhere you can't live or yeah. breathe anything kind of other than what you're doing True. And I mean, the lockdown was weird in the sense it was three months hiatus with just, you know, to, and at the beginning I was kind of going a bit spare thinking, I don't know how, how am I supposed to maintain this or do I drop it and leave it? And I, I talked to Jane a lot about it because I thought, I think, you know, I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm terrified of not being able to pick it up, of him not being there, mm-hmm. especially because it was a studio shoot era of the, so basically we'd finished all of our stuff on location in the South Island and we'd gone to Auckland and it was about, the second day that I was supposed to be in, but I think the beginning of the second week of studio. And I'm nervous enough not being able to step out into the, the wilds of, of um, central Otago, which is just such a kind of 
heartbeat and lifeblood for, for, for Phil. You know, it's just all there for me mm-hmm. as an actor. It's all there for him as a character. I'm going to be stepping out into tarmac and people on the phones and pop music and all this sort of human construction. I'm, th- I'm, I, I, I'm there, you know, how am I, how am I going to keep the South Island in this? Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that happened before lockdown is that the first day I stepped on, I had to really work hard at this um, after a little bit of a break. Like I said, we had three weeks between wrapping the South Island and coming up to the North Island. I really had to work hard at that. And I came on set and I was really like keeping people, you know, I was just in character as I was every day, but there was something particularly urgent about the need to do that. And I heard on a radio um, and a sort of muffled voice, once somebody in the art department was standing near me and someone else in the department went, the South Island's on the set, the South Island's on the set, meaning me, being Phil. And I was like, oh, I yeah, I'm going to take that in. I'm just going to use yeah. that for a confidence boost that, that it's yeah. still working. So then after that, we were in nature a lot for lockdown. We were in a house in a beautiful part of, of, the, of the North Island. But it was so removed from the work and the environment that, it, again, that, that fear returned. But I talked it through with Jane. We went through certain things and she came to stay once restrictions had eased and um, just came straight into the warmth of our family it was just it was amazing to see her mm-hmm. in that context mm-hmm. as well although that's how I first met her but you know she's just there's nothing performative about her in that context she's mm-hmm. who she is and yeah just talked it through and then we warmed up with a little bit of kind of rehearsal and discussion in the studio but my god after all that anxiety a we were so lucky and so blessed to be going back to work and we really realised that everything mm-hmm. we'd taken for granted was suddenly so heightenedly precious be all that time subconsciously consciously with things like banjo practice and all sorts of things like that but subconsciously on a very profound level everything that had been shaken up and disturbed I think brought a lot more to the surface and Mm -hmm. really enriched that work for that last period in a way that you know I'm sure we could have got interesting stuff anyway but definitely augmented the experience and the outcome I think that's what both Cody and Kirsten said as well. Yeah, I they, bet they said it in half a sentence. I'm, I'm, no, I'm, they talking, said, I'm speaking in sort of essays, they, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, but they both said like it was it, it was the gratitude and like, oh my God, yeah. we get to do it, that they were just feeling it right. was palpable. One of the themes I'm discussing this season on the podcast is fear. And you yeah. talked a little bit about that, having to stop. You're in the middle of, um, you know, production stop, this character this work and and getting back there but i'm wondering benedict how are you feeling about what is your relationship with fear right now i mean you know fear can be a really unhealthy driver i've 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 found i mean i but then again it's 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 taken me on a massive amount of adventure and made me make choices that i wouldn't have done without wanting to see what was beyond that fear so but if it's constantly propelling you, I think you can you can dull your sensibility. You can get to a place where you're constantly trying to be um, uncomfortable and not really listen to who you are and where you're at. And it could be a way it could be a way of screening that, you know, just literally like I get a charge at the world, just take it all on and overprogram. And I've definitely done that in the past. And I think what's happening now is I'm just mellowing a bit and going, okay. There's time, and I've had a lot of time, but there's more time, and it's okay. Mm-hmm. And I think what lockdown did for me is just maybe able to sit with that and hear myself much more clearly than I had done in the kind of furore of work and life and the pace of it all. 
And I think, yeah, I mean, I'm, I don't talk about my family, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a dad, that's known. And, you know, any parent knows that there's anxiety there that is not there before you become a parent. Um, that's as sort of obvious as I'll get about talking about that because obviously I like to keep that part of my life um, where it is and not in the public eye. So there's that part of me. Um, as far as work and choices, I feel... Oh, gosh, I mean, this is a daft thing to say after what I've said about fear, but I feel kind of fearless at the moment. I mm -hmm. really do. I feel really emboldened, not just by this experience and what we've all been through in this film, but... Um, just where I'm at in life, I guess, I feel more capable of dealing with the fact that it's all right if people don't agree with you or don't like you, or and it's all right to say no, and it's all right to be yourself. And I, you know, these are all lessons that were sort of profoundly impactful in the portrayal of Phil and the tragedy of him um, and that whole experience, and as me as an actor being brought out into, into realms that I hadn't discovered yet or, or been tested by. And I feel pretty fearless. Um, yeah. That's great. Does that make sense? That's yeah, it makes perfect sense. And I'm so happy to hear you say it. I mean, and I can't wait. You know, all I, all I want is just for, for the next sort of chapter of this to be a, really enhancing that, enhancing the experience I've had. So this is a stepping stone onto the next. Mm -hmm. um, as well as enjoying, you know, what this is in itself. It's, it's, it's taught me stuff I want to bring, you know, into my craft and for the rest of my life and the way I live my life as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's interesting. Actors, like you, it's just layer, 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 layer. Every, every part yeah. you take something with you. Yeah. And then I feel that there's those parts that are just can define you. Yeah. And you take all of that. Yeah. And then yeah. you keep, you keep, keep bits moving. and I think yeah and I think there's obviously the thing whereby you cannot help but somehow bring a part of what you're doing at work home and um, there are positives to feel that aren't as monstrous as the bad, bad yeah. bits so, so to speak and, and to learn from from what he suffered um, that's the same with Louis Wayne it's the same with him as well I mean I had a profound emotional connection to that character in a way that I hadn't really since Alan Turing where I was mm -hmm. Kind of in moments of playing him, I was mourning him. I was, I was. It's the weird thing. I don't know what it is. Like if you are as an actor going, trying to go through what a person or a character that you're playing went through, and you feel it yourself, isn't part of you connecting in a way that means that you're you're grieving that person. You're you're understanding their pain. You know that's part of what comes out performatively in your performance of their pain. I think it is, and. I, 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 you can lose yourself in that and then it's dangerous because you realise oh my gosh I'm actually I'm in, not in my own audience as an actor but I'm, I'm bearing witness to what happened to them and that's what's making me collapse or cry or, or enraged or terrified or anxious or depressed or whatever, whatever the strong emotion is that takes you over and I remember with Turing in the chemical castration scene I, I had to stop myself after a couple of takes because I was I, I just kept, I couldn't stop. And it was because I was thinking of what he went through and it mm -hmm. just destroyed me. Mm -hmm. um, and I, that, that you can't, it does go into the performance like I was trying to describe earlier, I think, but you can't let it overtake. But it's weird, those moments. The, the, it's not just the flow state, the kind of, oh, you're a conduit and it just comes through you from something or somewhere. It's a very real understanding of what that predicament is. And I had that with Louis massively. Mm -hmm. um, 
And I think the things I took from that is just the importance of kindness and of love and of generosity and the boldness of that. Um, and of course, it ties in with everything that we've experienced mm-hmm. um, and continue to experience in this world. Um, but yeah, it, and with Phil, it's the same. His need for it, not his expression of it, because it's 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 lacking. That's that's the mm-hmm. Achilles' heel until it's just about too late. Um, oh, but, yeah. I know. But it's he could have stayed away, but he came back. He had such commitment. I know. He came back. He could have been in New York. He could have lived that life, but he came back. I, I find him a fascinating character, and I often wonder if I. I was thinking about it. Would I have been friends with him? Like, what would have that been with like? Phil. Yeah, like you wonder Hell, what would I mean, have that? <laughs> would he be friends with nobody? What? Just that whole. I think I yeah I think it would be. It's really tough. He's so suspicious of people. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if you were a, an honest craftsman, you could be friends with him. Uh, if you had a shared interest uh, that you were proficient at, you could have. A, a friendship or some shared space with him. Um, if you wanted him at your dinner party, forget it. Do yeah. you know what I mean? No. I just, no way. Um, no, that's a, one of my, can we just talk about, okay, everybody listening, if you haven't seen the film, please watch the film. But one of my favorite scenes is that New Year's Eve or the party scene. And yeah. I, I, it's so crazy to call it a party scene because it's a handful of people, right? But that house. But in that, in that isolation, that is a party. An utter that's, isolation and, the way Phil comes into that yeah. situation, I found incredibly enlightening and, yeah. and very triggering. It's yeah. like, wow, yeah. you get it. But he, he doesn't apologize for who he is in that moment. And mm-hmm. uh, it's, uh, it's kind of incredible, um, the honesty of it and the power of it. And yeah. in a weird way, the justified nature of it. Mm-hmm. Why should he wash up? Why yeah. sh- should he? It's a brilliantly intense expression of what's drawn out in the book in many different episodes and passages um, of reflection of his past as well as the present tense drama of the of the thriller um you know his mother expecting him to be all well scrubbed and Mm -hmm. be this perfect little boy Mm -hmm. at the same time as as playing a ranch uh hand uh, you know a cowboy and Mm -hmm. it's sort of yeah it's like no, you. Have, it's just constantly wanting him to mm-hmm. be something he's not like control. Mm-hmm. You know, and him fighting it, and him fighting it, him oh. fighting it. Yeah, it's a great performance, Benedict. I am like so happy to hear you talk about Thank it. Thank you. It's and a real pleasure. I'm, it's glorious. Thanks so much for joining me. The Power of the Dog is streaming now on Netflix. Please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast wherever you've been listening. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Krista Smith. Join me next time for more conversations here at Present Company.